0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation and HyperVolt massage guns to improve mobility loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code move at hyperrice.com. Getting engaged
2: is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at blue Nile can help your love sparkle. But there's something different about you today, Charlotte. Welcome to Oddball. I'm Amino Hassan and sitting in for a very diseased, ill Charlotte Wilder. It's Pablo Torre, all the way from New York City.
0: A slightly less diseased Pablo Torre is here. As your New York City correspondent, I flew in just to talk to you about what today I mean. About the
2: New York Knickerbockers. We'll talk to Vinny Goodwill about his conversation with Joe Dumars a little bit later. But first, I want to start With Pablo Torre, native New Yorker, lifelong Nick fan, longtime suffering Nick fan, right? Yeah,
0: Nick's betrayer um, as well. Yeah, that's right. Late in life. There was that whole Philadelphia thing that happened. Which makes me feel like I'm just fogging the glass of an insane asylum right now (laughs) because Embiid is hurt. Yep. And the Knicks, and I I should also say for people who don't know my my oeuvre, I mean, I'm the Jeremy Lin guy. You were the guy
2: that wrote the Linsanity story, the cover story for Sports Illustrated.
0: Two cover stories. And I was mean, second one? There were two covers, consecutive weeks, um, and now there'll be, I guess, like uh, a bathroom towel in a weird resort that SI <laughs> is sponsoring somewhere in lieu of actually making a magazine. I digress. It's just insane to me. Linsan? Well, I hate that I walked into that. <laughs> um, this is clearly the most fun the city has had since 2012 since linsanity mm-hmm. and it's not close and so all of this feels like i've made a terrible decision can't fully enjoy this but have to fully acknowledge how unbelievable the city feels right now.
2: now you know it's not like registering for membership at a country club you can merely toss aside one allegiance and pick up another one and keep it moving and most people aren't even going to fact check you
0: now those side talk guys they're gonna I, bully me they, they're absolutely the gonna outside bully the garden me. yeah
2: you gotta come into like the 8th avenue entrance they always, they're always on 7th ave that's what I've, I've discovered they're always right there outside like the subway entrance to penn station
0: yes the subway grates that you love to huff when you go through yeah. the city oh Mwah. that's the smell of what the knicks uh championship parade is gonna be just like fumes and toxicity and uh just truly a delirious joy.
2: So let's put all in perspective. They're thirty-two and eighteen, but they're fifteen and three since acquiring OG Ananobi. They have one of the best defenses in the league in that span. They have the second best net rating in that span. And they've looked dominant on almost every night that they play. And that that's including games without Julius Randle, who's been injured. Mm -hmm. Mitchell Robinson has been out for the entire time. And so there's. this isn't even them full strength. How much do you allow yourself? You you mentioned what the championship parade is going to smell like, right? How much do you allow yourself to
0: truly just fantasize? I mean, it's a a Jalen Brunson fantasy. Like, let's be specific. I'm somebody who thought, I think I compared him on air at one point to a Honda Civic. (laughs) <laughs> and that was a compliment, just to be clear. It's a great when I car. when I show up at a Hertz, I love a Honda Civic. Yeah, has never steered me wrong, as it were. It's safe, reliable, not fancy in any way, but will make sure you get home safe.
2: You know what I'm gonna say? I'm gonna I'm gonna up it a notch. Have you ever driven? You've never seen this at a Hertz, the high end Honda Civic, like the fully loaded Honda
0: Civic. So, I am. I have not gotten those, but watching Jalen Brunson, I'm now beginning to wonder what that might be like.
2: I'm telling you right now, the fully loaded version, other than just, hey, it's not that big because the size is going to be the size. It's got all the amenities of some of the most luxurious luxury cars out there, right? The fully loaded Honda has everything that... You know, a, a an Acura, which is the luxury Honda line, uh, a Lexus, a Mercedes, all these cars. Like, you kind of maxed out at this point of what you can do to how, how much better it can be. And so, even though you don't have the name brand of like, oh, I drive a BMW, you have all the amenities. And that's what I feel like Jalen Brunson is. As people continue to say, well, I don't know if you can win if he's your number one. Or I don't know if he's a star. You know, we have Kenny Smith talking about they rarely step on the floor and say they have the best player on the floor. You had uh uh Coach Becky Hammond say Yes. Like like there's been Is a Is
0: he lot, an all NBA yeah, guy?
2: That like questioning. And a lot of it to me, Pablo, feels like optics, right? People are, are fooled by optics. And I said this on Levitar last week, and people lost their mind. I said, it's the same thing that happened to Steph Curry. Mm. a decade ago where people said, oh, he's good, all right, but you can't be your best
0: player. Yeah, I'm not trying to break into this car. Right. I'm not trying to steal this thing, but when it shows up and drops 40 on me and in a, it handles those tough turns. <laughs> let's torture this metaphor. <laughs> but I watch him, I mean, so much of the guard, and let's just always be be honest about the one thing, I think, that Madison Square Garden can be, um rightfully uh supremacist about mm-hmm. which is that there is no better and tougher building to play inside of when games matter right which has been
2: a, the, the the big caveat with the knicks for a that's long the time.
0: fine print in the <laughs> car rental agreement but they matter now and you're seeing jalen brunson handle the spotlight the pressure um the icy roads Better than anyone could have imagined. And that's the proof that you need to dream on a championship. When it comes to show me that you are tough. Show me that you can handle all of this shit. Show me, Jalen Brunson, that you can have a bit of mythology to you. Yep. Well, now you point to that and you're like, "He he was everything that a building almost willed into existence. And so... Yeah, I guess. Sorry for the Honda Civic analogy, but I didn't realize there was also this uh, upgraded version that you could get.
2: Or maybe he's an Acura Integra. Damn, I hit <laughs> at the wrong. I could not stick the landing. Acura Integra was the word. All right. Speaking of Integra T, oh we're gonna talk to Vinny Goodwill. This is what ta- it's
0: like to co-host this show. Yeah, yeah. talk
2: to Joe Dumars about the Integra T of the 65 game rule and a lot more right
0: here on Oddball.
1: Remember the best vacation you've ever taken? Make your next one even better with Get Your Guide. With Get Your Guide, you can book over 100,000 unforgettable experiences in the U.S. and around the world. Want to see the Grand Canyon from a helicopter? They got you. Watching a wrestling match in Mexico City? No problem. Or how about a guided tour of Rome's ancient ruins? Wherever you're going, whatever you're into, book your next travel experience at GetYourGuide.com. Our next
2: guest is a senior writer for Yahoo Sports. You hear him on his own podcast, The Good Word. You also hear him on SiriusXM NBA Radio, sometimes alongside me. That's right. It's Vinny Goodwill. Welcome to the show, Vinny. And I guess we're going to get started with the thing that you did last week that had the world on fire, which is you sat down with Joe Dumars. And Joe Dumars basically said, if you don't like the 65 game rule, bring it up with your union rep.
1: Isn't that bad? (laughs) Did did I paraphrase it right? Like, that's basically what he said, right? He said it was collectively bargained. And if you look at the paperwork, it was clearly collectively bargained, which means not only do you have to take it up with your your local union rep, you must also take it up with the departed, uh, departed from her job, Tamika not not (laughs) dearly departed, just just go for the job and i mean you know how these negotiations go you give up something you get something back for me what did the players actually get back for something that momentous now for me whether it's a voter or a person that covers the league or whatever it is i don't think 65 games is asking a lot but from the standpoint of a negotiation I better be getting something back of real substance if I'm giving that up because that controls a lot of money.
2: It's not so much what the number is as much as it is having a number, whatever the number is. I I just think it was something that was unnecessary. I don't think any of the voters really – you could tell by by the voting patterns that most of the awards are going to guys that play games, and I just didn't feel like it was a priority – And so why, like, I'm with you. Why the players would throw that in there? What did you get in return for it? Maybe that puts it into a context that's a lot clearer. Uh, Either way, I I just, it seems to me very foolish that they would allow for that to happen without getting something of substance in return.
1: Uh, What was the thing that surprised you the most, though, about your conversation with Joe D? I mean, I think the player in Joe Dumars, came out and Mm -hmm. that even though he's a league employee and he's looking at it like, you know, in a way he's almost incredulous about it. As a guy who played in a different era and a guy who qualified, if this 65 game rule would have been in place back then, he would have qualified for the season awards every season, except for his last. I think the thing that surprised me the most, I mean, is that there's so much focus on the postseason awards. There's so there's been, think about this year as a whole. I mean, You got an in-season tournament. You got these awards. You're in the middle of a media negotiation. It feels like it's a bunch of things sort of crashing down at once, and it doesn't like the optics don't look good. But I'm surprised that there's so much focus on it as opposed to, hey, this ain't really about the awards. It's about making sure these guys are playing on these Saturday night games, on these Thursday night games. Like there's games on national TV every night of the week, and it's not about a mandate so these guys can play for the season awards. It's, hey, we need to incentivize these guys to make sure that they play. Even though this negotiation was done quietly, there was mm. no public leverage the players had, and the league knew it, and they brought the hammer down.
2: And and that's the weirdest thing, because to me, if I'm the Players Association and someone says, hey, you, you're, you star players aren't playing in the big games, I say, don't talk to me. Talk to your GMs. Talk to your coaches. That's not us. So the idea that the burden would be on the players from a collectively bargained standpoint to to have to own up to hey we're going to play 65 games plus I just I never understood why that's a that that, that would ever be a player emanated position
1: well it's become a player emanated position because of the way the public posturing was mm-hmm. these guys choose not to play remember There was a game a couple of years ago. Golden State, I think they had just won the title. So it was two seasons ago, or last Mm -hmm. season. They had a Friday game in Detroit and then a Saturday or Sunday game, not even a back-to-back, a Sunday game in New Orleans. And they had predetermined that Steph was going to sit. Draymond was going to sit. Clay was going to sit. Like, I think Andrew Wiggins was going to Mm -hmm. sit. All four of these guys, it was predetermined from the team that all of these guys were going to sit on the exact same. now. Why? Well, that's just what the science says, even though we've come out, but we've been told now yeah. that the science doesn't, it neither supports nor deflects from the idea that this low management thing helps or hurts. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, it, it's almost like a crime, uh, not a crime with no victim, but it's like somebody broke into the house, but nobody knows who did it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like th- who broke into my house? Who slammed my TV on the floor? We don't know. And for me, the players allowed themselves to take the blame on this. They never got in front of the low management discussion to say, hey, yes, I'm involved. The team is involved. The front office is involved. The league is involved. Yes, my agent is going to be involved because I need someone advocating for me in here and Mm -hmm. they never got in front of the messaging. They never tried to get in front of the messaging. And it came back to bite them to the point that people who normally don't root for the man, were rooting for the man on this and not the man, like the man on your team, like the man in the ivory tower, like nobody roots for management. At least you're not supposed to, because we all supposed to be employees. There's probably
2: no person who is most more punished by this new rule than Tyrese Halliburton, who's now, Him and the Indiana Pacers are playing this very awkward game of, all right, he's on a 25-minute restriction, which allows him, keeps him qualified for this because he can't miss too many more games. What was Joe Dumars' response when it's pointed out, hey, he's in this really weird situation where if it were up to the team, he'd sit out a couple more games and then they don't have to pay him the extra bonus should he make All-NBA this year? Remember the
1: phrase "unintended consequences." Oh. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was the phrase that was that was the phrase that was the bane of our existence <laughs> back in 2016 when there was an influx of cash going into NBA teams into the salary cap due to the media rights deal back then, and it enabled and as, as opposed to smoothing, it was like one big sort of cap explosion, and it enabled the Golden State Warriors to be able to sign Kevin Durant. That was unintended consequences. This is an unintended consequence that Joe says, look, as a player, I feel for the kid, and I wish there was something I could do about it. But he's also a league employee. Here's the thing that the teams get away with, I mean. They get away with the messaging, right? Even though they're on the other side of the messaging that's saying, hey, hey, y'all, we need y'all to sit. Like, it wasn't Steph and Clay and Draymond and Wiggins that made that decision. Mm -hmm. It was the Golden State Warriors team. So So you're saying, how do they play both sides? Here's how they play both sides, I mean. If Tyrese Halliburton does not make an all NBA team this year, the max he can sign for is five years, two hundred million dollars, which I'm sure he will sign for. Right. If he does make an all NBA team, he can sign for five years, two hundred and forty million dollars. That's not an insignificant amount of money. So you're saying, how does the team play into that? Because guess what? The team is going to pocket that $40 million. That money ain't going into escrow. Yeah. That money ain't going into some, you know, some regular fund. The Indiana Pacers or whatever team that employs him will be able to keep that money on their own, even though they're the ones that help cause the messaging, even though they're the ones on the other side of the bargaining table. They win all the way around.
2: And I get I I hear Joe Dumar's when he says it's an unintended consequence. And I hear him when he says, hey, if you don't like it, go holla at your union rep because y'all negotiated this. But it, it, that's truly, to me, that's that's got to be the most heartbreaking thing because when you look at all the players who are going to be impacted by the 65-game rule this season, the only one who is materially, I mean financially impacted as a result of not being eligible for a postseason uh, accolade or award is Tyrese
1: Halliburton. I want to I want to move on to something else. I mean, I'm going to tell you oh. this before, before we go forward because I'm, I'm not going to try to break news here. But I do want to tell you this. I talked to a notable high-ranking executive for a team Mm. last week. And he said, do not be surprised if this is adjudicated differently after this season.
2: Oh. So they're going to
1: rearrange some deck chairs there maybe? Which which to me would even be more, I won't say egregious, but if Tyrese Halliburton is the one player whose money is adversely affected by this – and then it turns around and says you know what y'all we, tripping. we can we can we can amend this a little bit because our TV deal is done yeah. <laughs> because we get you know what i mean like that sort of thing baby i i, I, have, in, I have i have i'd have questions
2: Well, that's that's the dirty questions. secret about all of this right this has little to do with integrity of the game or competition or whatever And everything to do with we're trying to prove to prospective buyers that hey our stars do show up and so you put in these rules so that these prospective buyers, whether it's the incumbents like Disney and uh, Warner Media, or Warner Discovery, excuse me, or newcomers like Amazon, or Peacock, or Apple, even that hey, this thing that you're buying is actually going to happen. So yeah, I kind of I gotta believe that they they'd also have language in there like yo, you can't pull a switcheroo
1: on this one. It's going to be a weird one. That's all I'm going to say. Like, it's a lot of things, I mean, are coming to a head right now. Like I said in the beginning, it's almost, it, it is a It is a weird time in the NBA. And not that, put it like this, none of us are advocating either A, for stars to go out and play when they're not healthy, or B, that the rules should be in place. But we're also not saying, A, healthy stars should be sitting. Like, there needed to be some level of reset of the system we're just saying how how does that reset happen? Does the reset happen through this rule, or does the reset happen somewhat organically? I don't think we've all we've come to an agreement on how that should have occurred.
2: Well, I'm glad you bring that up because something else that's happened, maybe not so organically and and I w- wonder if the league has any ideas of changing it is the idea of exploding offenses. And that was something that Joe D talked about with you, where he said basically, like, there's no, there's no set number. There's no agenda. Hey, offense, let them go. If that's where it is, that's where it's at. And I, I was kind of surprised that there wasn't as much of a panic is too strong a word, but a feeling of we got to get this under control
1: from the league at least. I think there's a feeling of concern. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think there's a feeling of concern, but not panic because you don't want to – you don't want to give across the image of panicking, because if you're panicking, you're saying that what you're seeing is illegitimate, or isn't isn't realistic. Right. I think even even I mean from this year or last year to this year, it's only been one point a game difference. So this has been happening for the past few years. It's been happening since Golden State flipped the math on everyone, and everybody said, okay, now we're all going to be Golden State. We're all going to try to maximize our three point attempts. The shot attempts as a whole haven't changed. The shot shots made hasn't changed in the past 30 years. Mm-hmm. It's merely the amount of three-pointers taken and made that has changed this. Now, I know that there are competition committee meetings, coaching meetings, GM meetings. It is a concern from the league, but nobody's ready to take extreme action like allowing hand-checking back or eliminating the corner three or widening the lane. But something drastic, I believe, has to be done, not necessarily a mean to slow down the exploding offenses, but to give defenses a chance and to believe that NBA fans are so unsophisticated and brute that they can only watch a 120 to 118 game and they can't appreciate a 96 94 game I think that's insulting to fans
2: I'm not one want to be rash or sound alarm too soon but I have in my hand right here the top offensive ratings in NBA history this is pace adjusted this is points per 100 possessions the top 10 have all been from teams either this season Or last season. The top 20 have all been from teams since after the pandemic. I've got to go all the way down to 30th to get the 2019-2020 Dallas Mavericks as a team that appears on this board. And then to get something that's before COVID altogether, I've got to go all the way down to the Golden State Warriors of 2018-2019. That's 36th. So 35 35 of the top offenses of all time have all happened since COVID was a thing. I feel like at this point, four years in, we can say that's a little that's a little concerning. Because when I go beyond that, they, where is it? The 91-92 the Bulls at 43rd. The 87-88 Boston Celtics at 46. So I start to see some other decades sprinkled in there. But again, in the top 30... At least thirty-five. Excuse me. Everything is being post-COVID. They're,
1: they're, this isn't time to panic. I agree. Look, I mean, if I were to query you right now and ask you what is the most dominant or potent offensive team you have ever seen, I feel like we will both come up with the same answer.
2: What answer would you come up with? I'm thinking about like the the like '87 Lakers. It just without numbers, just just style of play, either the 87 Lakers or the 86 Celtics or the 96 Bulls, or I would say I would throw in, obviously, the Warriors in 2017 or 2018, something like that. That's without looking at numbers. Obviously, the benefit of numbers, I know
1: that it's none of those teams that happened in, a, in the 20th century, at least. Yeah, and that's the thing. You mentioned when you talked about the top 30. You mentioned none of them. I was going to say the 16, 17 Warriors or the 86, 87 Lakers as the most potent offenses Mm -hmm. because they could do it in different ways. Even though the 86, 87 Lakers, they played a little faster and then you could slow it down with Kareem. And the 16, 17 Warriors was just, that's just two nuclear weapons that's just going off in their prime. And neither one of those teams is in the top 20 of offensive efficiency of all time. That's That says to me, I mean, I'm going to play a game with you. How many players do you think this season averaged 20 points or more Wow. Um 14. I mean, you would have to multiply that. Forty-eight players average 20 points or more. Forty-eight. I, like,
2: I, see, like that's the part where that that staggers me for one, but on the other hand, I can accept that because again, it's a counting stat that has no bearing on. Speed right. of play. So everyone's playing faster. We talked about this before. When I worked in the league, I worked for the Phoenix Suns, which everyone thought was like seven seconds or less, they're playing way too fast. If they played today, they'd be one of the slowest teams in the NBA in terms of pace. So the extra possessions that you're getting in a game leads to extra points, leads to more guys scoring 20. That part I get. It's when. You, but here's my, but here's you adjust, my issue. Yeah.
1: But here's my issue with that is, Players often judge themselves off of, hey, man, if I got 20 and 10, I had a good night. Or right. if I'm 20 and 10, I'm a good ball player. So as opposed to maybe them focusing on a better product, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like like be- because you score 20, you're thinking, hey, man, I'm good. I'm straight. Right. And I think we need to be a little more sophisticated, not just on the counting stats, but the way that we judge players as compared to the way that it used to be. You know what I mean? Like, that's my fear is that the quality of the game will suffer because the way that the players will judge themselves or have judged themselves, everybody's a great player now.
2: Yeah, and and that's the part where I think we, we have to now move the goalposts, right? Or, or move the bar up. So when we say this guy's a good player, maybe it's not just you know a certain amount of points or what have you. That was the first half of our conversation with Vinny Goodwill. You can follow him at Vince Goodwill. Also, subscribe and listen to the Good Word with Goodwill podcast on the NBA Ball Don't Lie podcast network for Yahoo Sports. You get it wherever you get podcasts. We're going to talk to him a little bit later in the week about Damian Lillard, about the Bucks, and about his hometown Detroit Pistons. Stay tuned for that.